0: And welcome to Coffee with Crystal. I'm Dr. Crystal, your host, and today's segment is entitled, The Truth Behind the Mask. I would like to begin in Psalms, chapter 25, verses 4 through 5, which read, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your thoughts. Guide me in your truth, and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Isn't that such a lovely passage? Teach me show me, guide me. I can almost feel the longing to be one with God. You know, that's just an expression of unconditional trust, the type of trust that will allow you to be your authentic self, to allow you to be free, you know, without the mask. But my question today is, why do we even wear the mask? Why do we as women so often walk around hidden behind a facade. You know, Matthew 23 verses 25 through 28 say, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be cleaned. <clears throat> Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees! You hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Now I know on a lovely Sunday afternoon, that's a very heavy scripture. But I really would like for us to dig in and consider the ending part, the second piece of verse 27, where it says, You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. And I looked up the definition of whitewashed. And whitewashed, basically it was a cheap paint, or sometimes it was a coating of chalk lime that was used. And it used to be used long ago to paint bones. But it was used to quickly give a uniform, clean appearance. And that made me think about us as women and how so often, you know, we use our makeup, our clothes, our jewelry, our position in life. We use all of those things to cover up the hurt and insecurities that are going on inside of us. So often we live by the motto, never let them see cry." So again, I ask you, why do you wear the mask? You know, as women, we have a tendency to dress up our problems. I have a 23 year old daughter and she is a huge, huge country music fan. And, and so am I. I, I enjoy country music as well. But there's a song and I promise I won't sing it. I love it, I sing alone. I will not sing on this um, segment or any other. I'm very sober about my abilities and my inabilities. But how many of you guys are familiar with Miranda Lambert? She's a country singer, um, does amazing work. But she has this one song and whenever I hear the lyrics to her song, it's the song entitled Mama's Broken Heart. And the lyrics go something like this. Don't matter how you feel, it only matters how you look. Go and fix your makeup, girl, it's just a breakup run and hide your crazy and start acting like a lady because i raised you better gotta keep it together even when you fall apart and i know we chuckle and laugh about it but how many times have we been told or have we told someone else at some point dry your tears fake it until you make it smile instead of cry and just go on we dress up the hurt we dress up the pain We dress up the lack of self-confidence. We dress up the lack of self-love. You know, when we do those things, that they stem from beliefs. Beliefs that we've carried with us for years. You know, and a belief is something that's an acceptance. That's a state, it's an acceptance that a statement is true or that something exists. And, you know, you have to ask, well, how are beliefs formed? You know, why are we walking around with beliefs that would tell us, you know, hold it together? Fake it until you make it. What I would like for you guys to do, grab a sheet of paper, I hope you have one nearby, but take out a sheet of paper and I would like for you to jot down the first things that come to mind for each of the statements that I'm gonna read to you, or each of the questions that I'll read to you. What beliefs did you learn about yourself when you were young, from either your mom, your dad, your siblings, your friends, your teachers, or any other significant adult in your life. Then ask yourself, which of these messages continue to dominate your thoughts today? And then go a little further and ask yourself, which messages add to and which messages take away from your confidence, your happiness and your satisfaction. I ask that because we have a cycle of thought and the messages that we receive, especially those messages we receive in our formative years, all play a huge part in that cycle of thought that we have. So we know thoughts create feelings, right? So that's an emotional state or reaction that's often vague or irrational. And then those feelings create behavior. And the behavior is the way in which we act or conduct ourselves, especially the way we act and conduct ourselves towards someone else. And then of course, those behaviors reinforce the thoughts that we had. An idea or opinion that's produced by thinking or occurring suddenly in the mind. And when we think about that thought cycle, right? The cycle of feelings, behavior, thoughts. That cycle goes on and on. Well, clinical research has shown that with every conscious thought that we have, it's recorded in our cere- cerebral cortex. So that's kind of like our own little mini computer that we walk around with. And even though we may have multiple memories, the ones we focus on the longest are the ones that create the biggest memory indentations in our, on our cerebral cortex. I want you to think for a minute about the old wooden school desk, and maybe I'm dating myself here, but if you can think of those old desks, the wooden desks that kids used to sit in back um, in school, if you would sit a child in that desk on the first day of school and you handed them a pen and you told them, okay, I need you to draw a mark from here to here. And then every day when you come into class, sit in this desk, take this pen and press down as hard as you can on that same mark and trace that mark every day. By the end of the school year, what began as a little scratch is now a deep indentation in the desk. Well, the same is true with us. When we have the same thoughts over and over again, the line of the original thought is deepened and it causes what's called a memory trace. And a memory trace is a hypothetical, permanent change in the nervous system brought on by memorizing something so it can be brought on by memorizing something good or something bad but with each repetitive memory the trace goes deeper and deeper forming and embedding a pattern of thought and when an emotion such as fear anger or sadness is tied to that thought pattern the memory grows stronger and the stronger that memory grows the more likely it's going to cause faulty thinking in us. And we know that faulty thinking is the belief that what happens on the outside is the cause of our emotional or behavioral reactions. So instead of looking inward, right, we don't stop to say, okay, well, what's going on with me? Why am I feeling this way? Our immediate response is to look around and blame others. So we blame our husbands, we blame our significant other, we blame our parents, our children, our coworkers, but we not often look inside to figure out what's going on with us. If you can think about um, a tape, right? And you know how a cassette tape will play over and over and over again. That's how that memory traits it just goes on and on. And that faulty thinking that we've created, that pattern just replays over and over and over again. And it destroys. This type of thinking can really destroy us. In the New King James Version, Proverbs 23 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And we have to be careful, guys, of our private thoughts. You know, we begin to think things like, I must be perfect. And that's the belief that we should always try to do things perfectly. We don't allow ourselves room for error, or we think I must have everyone's love and approval. When no, we we don't. It's okay. If everybody doesn't love us, if everyone doesn't approve of us, or we start to think that our personal worth, right, equals performance. And for us as women, that's such a big thing. You know, we think that if we're not excelling at our jobs or if our kids aren't doing great, we attach all of that to our personal self-worth. So there are just a few types of faulty thinking I just want to touch upon today. One is magnification. And magnification is a heightened emotional reaction. It's where you blow everything up to the highest level. Then there's polarization. And that's thinking in terms of the extreme. Everything is either black or white, good or bad. There's no room for in between. There's no gray area. Then there's personalization. And personalization is making everything about us. Instead of letting the incident make a statement about the person who did it, we automatically assume, oh, it's about us. We didn't do something right, or we're not acceptable. And then there's overgeneralization. It's taking one bad experience and using it to predict what will happen in the future. So just because something happened one way five years ago, when a situation looks like, feels like, smells like that same situation, immediately we begin to think, oh, no, this is exactly how it's gonna go again. Then there's selective extraction, and that's focusing on details to the point of excluding the overall picture. And then the last type of faulty thinking, at least the last type that I would like to speak on today, is emotional reasoning, and that's making our feelings and emotions equal to the truth. And that's the one that we as women have to be so careful with. We believe so often that just because we feel it, that it has to be true. And that's not necessarily the the case. So the question then becomes, how do we combat faulty thinking? Well, in Philippians chapter four, verse eight, it tells us, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We have to train ourselves to think on what is true. And there's an exercise that I take my clients through and it's something that I learned when I was obtaining a certification through um, the American Association of Christian Counselors. But it's called the TRUTH model, T-R-U-T-H. And the T stands for the trigger event. So what's the event or what's the life situation that happened to cause you to feel the way you feel? And then the R, just bear with me here, the R is for wrong thinking. And that's the thoughts about the event that are faulty. Then there's the U, which is the unhealthy response. That's our emotional and behavioral reactions that are unhealthy. But here's the kicker, guys. The second T in the truth model, that's where we have to face the reality about the situation. That's where we have to ask ourselves, Is it personal to us or what would scripture say about it? But most importantly, we have to be honest with ourselves. Then lastly, there's the H and that's our healthy reaction. It's the emotional and behavioral reactions that are healthy. So I would like to leave you today with a quote from Lisa Turquist and she's one of my favorite authors, Um, but she says, feelings are indicators not dictators. And if we define indicator, an indicator is a thing that indicates the state or level of something. And then if we define a dictator, that's something that authoritatively prescribes conduct. So I encourage you guys to remember to think on what is true and not allow your feelings to guide you. So thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you tune in again next week for Coffee with Crystal. Have a great one.